Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. So there was this um, student of uh, the Buddha. Uh, his name is, uh, was Rohitasa. And um, so he came to the Buddha and he asked him, um, he said, um, is it uh, possible, uh, Venerable Sir, to um, reach the end of the world by traveling, to reach uh, the end of the world, the end of, the, of birth, the end of uh, sickness, old age and disease, the, the end of rebirth uh, by traveling to the end of the world. And the Buddha said, no, unfortunately, not possible. Not by traveling. Uh, it's not possible to reach the end of the world. And this uh, Rohitasa was a, uh, he was a deva, some kind of a angel being. And he said, funny that you say that. I actually tried. There was one time when my mind was really quick and my body very agile and I was, I was in super shape. And uh, I decided to reach the end of the world. And so I traveled for hundreds of years, even more, without even stopping for a snack or to pee. That's in the text. <laughs> he said that. He said, I didn't stop. I just kept going. And I was going fast, like real fast. And I never saw the end of the world. It just didn't happen. So I just came back. And the Buddha said, yeah, you're right. It's just not possible to reach the end of the world by traveling. And he said also, another thing is, and I say, that uh, to put an end to birth and uh, sickness, disease, and uh, death, and uh, rebirth, and all this cycle of trouble. Um, to do this, one has to travel to the end of the world. But this trip is taken in this fathom long body. In there, fathom long is, uh, I learned, was six feet, uh, more or less. Yeah, so, so then this thing here, you have all the means to uh, discover the world and the cause of the world and, uh, and the end of the world. So he was pointing to this, uh, this body here with its uh, sensations and perceptions and, uh, and consciousness. Okay, so that's a conversation that took place 2,500 years ago between uh, the Buddha and some uh, divine being. The last century, uh, there's this uh, master uh, from the Thai forest, uh, 
Ajahn Man. And uh, you can read this biography. Uh, it's, it's this thick. Many things happened to, to him. And in this biography, there's uh, one quote that I like very much, and you might have heard it because if you've been, for example, to Spirit Rock uh, in California, there's a beautiful little, uh, uh, little hut, kuti, little cabin. It's called the Gratitude uh, Hut. And in there, there's a picture of many of our uh, uh, teachers, and uh, the teachers of our teachers. And there's a f picture of him with a quote underneath. And I, I really like this quote very much. And so that's what it, it says. It says, uh, in your exploration of the world, never allow uh, your mindfulness or never allow your mind to desert the body. See the elements that comprise it. See its impermanent, its selfless nature. the suffering uh, in the body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth timeless and delivered. In your investigation of the world, Never allow the mind to desert the body. Very body-based practice, this, this, uh, this path that we're, we're on. And Enda, the, the assistant of uh, the Buddha, once said that uh, the body was uh, one's best friend because it's always there it protects you, and it tells you the truth all the time. There's several uh, other fun images that I like about uh, how the body, uh, attention to the body, mindfulness of the body, awareness of it, uh, helps us, protect us. So there's this uh, uh, little uh, simile of the, the, the water jug. And, uh, it says, when the water jug is empty of water, it's easy to fill it with anything. And when it's full of water, it's full. You can't put much in there. In the same way, when you're, you don't have attention in the body, presence to the body, it's like the, the jug is empty. And Mara, the difficult uh, tendencies of mind and difficult emotions, can come in very easily. But if the mind uh, is full of attention in the body, it's like the, the jug is full of water. Mara cannot come in. And you might experience this for yourself when the, the attention is, uh, what is the actual qualification? I want to say strong, but maybe it's, it's more complete. It's infusing the body. It's pervasive, really very present and continuous. We're secluded f 
from uh, uh, thoughts that lead to uh, difficulties. There's a few uh, other images. One that I like is uh, the, uh, this image of, um, so if you uh, take a rock and you throw it in wet clay, does it bounce back or it goes in? Because it's wet clay, it gains entry very easily. So in the same way, if there's no attention to the body, it's very easy for these uh, um, de defilements or deluded uh, ways of being to creep in. But if you have um, a ball of string, or little balls, sometimes we make little balls of uh, elastics. So if you throw this against uh, one of the strong doors here, the doors here are completely amazing, no? They're like thick doors. <laughs> and so if you throw one of these little balls, a uh, ball of uh, elastics or string against these, what's going to happen? It's just going to bounce, bounce back. There's nothing's going to happen, not even a scratch in there. Yeah? This is the uh, same thing when the, the uh, mindfulness is... Uh, very present to the body. Yeah. Okay, you see, I'm like making my point here, like because <laughs> I find them so beautiful. These images. One is just behind me here. So this uh, Buddha, you can see, is sitting and he has his hand uh, like this, touching. You know this mudra. Many of you know this. Um, so there was Mara attacking the Buddha. Uh, telling him maybe that that's the little piece on doubt, you know, what he came with his hundred thousand soldiers in front of the Buddha and he says, what do you think you're doing here? You have no right to be here. Move out. And uh, the Buddha touched the earth, took the earth as his, um, his witness that he had the right to be there. And so one way to understand this that I find very beautiful and, and uh, useful is to think that he actually just reached and touched what is true, pressure, roughness of the earth, a heat level of the earth, earth. That really cuts through all the he came back to something real, not a made-up world. Should I be here? Should I not be here? How long more should I stay? Should I have come longer? You know, he just touched. This is what's truly going on. This we can do all the time in our life. Actually, just doing this might be the best practice we can have uh, on the cushion, while walking, eating, or driving away from the center coming back to something that is uh, real, happening right now, cutting through uh, the delusion. I have more images. Should I indulge in one last one? Okay, because you're forcing me. <laughs> so this one is, is really fun. So, so you imagine on a leash these six uh, animals uh, so there's a snake, wants to go back. There's a, they're on a leash, a leash all together. So there's a snake, wants to go back to the grass. There's an eagle, wants to fly up in the air. There's a hyena, 
trying to get to the charnel grounds. There's the dog trying to get to the city. So that's snake, eagle, hyena, dog. There's a crocodile trying to get in the water. And uh, there's a monkey trying to go to the jungle. So imagine the mess of all these tied to a rope. OK, so this is us before we start the practice. <laughs> now it's not us anymore. <laughs> because uh, you, so you see how it could be like, what a kind of a mess. I like to think about this and think about this in a setting where there's other things, you know, like in life, other people, stuff, you know, and, and, and these animals trying to reach. The, so this is compared to the, the six senses. So they all want their little pleasant thing, their little uh, agreeable milieu to find themselves in, you know. Uh, the taste wants something tasty, and the, hear, the ear wants something beautiful to hear, and it's and avoiding this. And, uh. so, so then the image of mindfulness of the body, it's the last image. It's the pole. So there's a pole there. And you imagine you tie them to a pole, and uh, at some point they're just going to exhaust themselves. First, it's going to limit the damages. <laughs> and then they won't be able to get anywhere, so you will be able to tame them at some point. That's how it's presented. Hmm. So that's why in the teachings of the Buddha, there's so much emphasis put on the mindfulness of body. In the Satipatthana Sutta, we talked, we, uh, it's talked about attention to the breath, uh, the posture, um, attention to uh, uh, the activities of the body, uh, attention to um, the 32 parts of the body. Uh, we don't talk about these very often, but they're very, I wouldn't say the word inspiring. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> It can inspire practice, but uh, inspiring, I'm not sure. It's about like the, you know, the hair, hair of the head, hair of the body, uh, skin, bones, bone marrow, sinews, uh, uh, flesh, heart, and pus, blood, urine, tears, fat, grease, oil of the joints, all this. So it's a way to consider the body, also a body awareness practice. And there's uh, the four elements of which I want to talk about tonight, if I ever get there. <laughs> and also the stages of decomposition of the body. So all this is in the one discourse that we mainly use for practice. All these different ways to attend to uh, uh, the materiality of this human experience. And just a little point on these. So there's a kind of... Uh, one way to present it is that there's a kind of a more uh, kind of a easier way to approach it, and then it gets more and more sophisticated. So in the in the the way uh, this is thought is uh, the Buddha said, for example, about uh, postures, activities, just to know them, know your sitting. You might have heard this, uh, Joseph, uh, maybe reporting the the words of uh, uh, Munindraji saying, just sit there and the whole of the Dharma will be revealed. So the instruction about this is just to know 
know which posture you're in. Know which activity you're performing in your yogi job as you walk uh, about or in your room. So know, simply know. And then there's another bit that gets a little bit more, uh, oops, we turn up the heat a little bit. It's uh, train. We go from know what is going on to train the mind. So in the breathe, breathing, there's a no uh, in-breath, out-breath, no if the breath is short or rather short or long. And then start to train the mind, train the mind to stay with the breath for the whole cycle. So training, going from knowing to training. Train the mind to come uh, uh, with the attention on the breath to calm the body and calm the mind. Train yourself to do this. So know, train, and then uh, consider. Whoops, it changes a little bit. So then we get to the 32 parts and the four elements. So have a particular way to actually experience being here. Consider it in a certain way. Bring some analysis, maybe it would be the right word here. And then there's another uh, later one is compare. When you bring the stages of decomposition of the body, start to compare uh, your body with the corpse and the different stages and knowing that this will also uh, experience that. So the four elements, so it's consider. In the practice that uh, is taught here in the, in the West and in this, um, in this tradition, uh, there's a big, big emphasis on uh, allowing uh, receptivity, uh, you know, the, the rain kind of a type of practice, recognize, allow, open to, get to know what is happening. It's, uh, very, uh, no, we're very passive, where you just uh, let the information be received, touched, known. So here with the four elements, there's a bit of that, and a little bit like the aggregates uh, last week that I talked about, there's this uh, getting involved, bringing up the investigation, uh, Dissecting could be a way to present it even. So you see it's a little bit more of an involved practice. Um, and so that's what uh, uh, we'll do with the, the four elements uh, if we work with them. So what are these? Um, the four elements are the way matter is behaving and from the point of view of our experience. So the four elements are the earth element, the water, air, and fire element. And uh, the invitation here is to start to look at our experience uh, from this point of view, putting on these glasses. I've talked about this uh, last week, I think. The particular uh, spectacles to look at experience. So this is another way to do this. The, so these four elements represent the materiality side of our experience. So there's two sides. There's the mental uh, things that is going on in us, 
and then there's some physical stuff, and the dance between the two is always there. So the, the mind uh, knows, but it has no form. The body doesn't know, but it has form, and there's an encounter of the two, and then we use the mind to uh, get to know the physical part of our experience and kind of chop it. The Buddha, one example that he uses is, uh, is like, uh, you've heard that maybe as uh, this analogy, a little gruesome, is it the word? Uh, of the cow. He said, when a man, a butcher, or a butcheress, a woman butcher, um, they take their cow, uh, they're raised, and they uh, slaughter the cow and cut it in pieces to make a, a package of meat. And they go at the corner of the street at the market and they start uh, selling uh, the meat. They don't think about uh, the cow as cow, I'm selling cow. They, they think of, I'm selling meat. So you see there's a change of perception in there. They don't see, even if the cow had the name and they loved it very much, once it's been dissected, now it's meat. Yeah? So uh, it's a little violent image, but uh, it happens every day. And, uh, but, uh, so the image that is used is the same thing for us. So when we start to look at our experience in terms of uh, the four elements, then uh, it invites a, a change of perception in how we see moi. It starts to change. It's not moi anymore, it's earth element, air element. Yeah? So let's look at this a uh, little bit about uh, these four. So the earth is, um, is, is um, the solidity uh, part of our experience. And um, these four elements, they come with uh, each one, their characteristics. So altogether, there's 12 characteristics of what, how we feel the world. Yeah? So Earth has four of them. It's the hardness that you might feel right now, some hardness and uh, softness. So there's a scale there. This is a range from hard to soft and everything in between. There's a range also between roughness and smoothness. Yeah. And there's a range also between the, of weight, heavy to light. So if you want to um, experience um, maybe um, hard, hardness right now, we'll do a little exploration of this. So you just do this with your uh, teeth or press. Hmm? This is hardness. Okay, so all this, why I'm doing this is because this is not, it's theory, but it's theory that uh, leads to practice. So the idea is to start recognizing it in experience very clearly and then start to uh, seeing it uh, in other places in the body when it shows up. Um, so if you want to experience um, roughness, you can uh, brush 
your tongue on the uh, upper teeth. This is an experience of roughness. Heaviness, you might feel um, if you put one hand, you put one hand on top of the other. And just let it, the whole, uh, whole arm, top arm rest. And feel this. And then for softness, you can uh, press your tongue against uh, the lower uh, lip. This is softness and smoothness. If you wet your lips and you let your tongue travel from one side to the other of your lips, you feel the smoothness. And the lightness, you can uh, move your little finger if you want. That feels too heavy. You can put your hand back in your hand and go back to uh, lightness. So these are the four characteristics of the earth element. The so Buddha said, uh, this is uh, an unwise being, an uneducated person. When they feel these, and the different manifestation of these in the body, they'll, they'll think uh, uh, this is the earth element. But they'll go just a little bit further, and that's where the, where the trouble begins. They'll go just a little bit further, and they'll say, yeah, it's earth element, but it's mine. It's me. It's I. And a wise being doesn't go there. They just say, oh, this is earth element. There's no appropriation or identification with this. This is very, uh, very central to this whole uh, thing. That's the, that's the heart of it, this identification. And um, so to just start to experience the body in this way, instead of my pain, my me walking to this place, just in terms of feeling it uh, with the division of the elements, the four elements and the, these characteristics, already it starts uh, breaking uh, this identification that we have. So, oh, to mention also that the earth element, there's these characteristics, but it's also, uh, uh, it's tangible, but it's also, uh, it, so it occupies space. It's also something we can see. So it comes with uh, color. Uh, so yeah, it, it has a shape and form. So the eye can, can be touched, but can recognize the earth element. The water is an element as the cohesion and fluidity. So this is also a range in there of cohesion and fluidity. Uh, the image that is often used, you might have heard, is a flower. Uh, so if you have just flour, you blow on it, and it goes all over the place. But if you put a little water in it, 
suddenly it's stuck together. This is the cohesion part. Same thing with cement. So these elements, they, they are in all, any of our experience, they're always there, the four of them, but some of them become very predominant. And so we learn to recognize them as a predominant first. And then when we get more uh, practice, if we develop this, we can learn to uh, actually tune in any of them as we decide in the whole body. So that's one reason we work with these also, it's to bring some flexibility. First, when we start to attend to this, it gathers the mind. So we're, Mara is out, the bottle is full, we're attending to something very precise. So it gathers the mind, we're protected, and then it helps refine the mind and refine the sensitivity. And the more we get attentive, to, the more subtle it becomes. And so, if I go back to the earth element, for example, working with Park Sayada, uh, one of the masters who come here to uh, teach. So when he teaches the four elements, he'll teach you to locate uh, the element somewhere, like uh, the hardness in the teeth. And really locate it, locate it, and learn to recognize it, identify it, identify it in other places. And then uh, the buildup of, of this is to actually be able to recognize it everywhere in the body. To see it at one time, the whole uh, earth aspect of hardness aspect of experience in the body. So that's not easy to do, but it's doable. When we succeed in doing this, there's a kind of confidence that is gained. Confidence in, not in moi, but in this mind, the, the capacity of this mind to feel, or the capacity of this mind-body to work together. Yeah. So to feel the cohesion, uh, one way is not an, an easy one. Sometimes it's described as the water element is actually the one that you cannot feel directly. But that's very interesting for you to see in your experience if it's true or not. But um, as you sit here in silence, maybe with eye clo eyes closed, can you recognize in your experience that uh, there is cohesion? Like you're not spread out all over the universe, there's a kind of a, you're contained in space. So this is the characteristic of the water element. The body is held together. And sometimes when there's a lot of cohesion and, and very, we're very far from the fluidity aspect, then there's a, there's a feeling of being really stuck. Yeah? And then the other version of it, of this uh, experience of uh, water element, is the fluidity of, uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind, but it's a little, already a little more subtle, is the fluidity of the movement of heat in the body. When we become very quiet, sometimes we feel heat, Kind of moving around. If we get quiet around maybe some painful sensation, there's heat there. 
and we're attentive, we might start to see it move a little bit. But uh, another way to uh, experience it is uh, the saliva in the mouth. If you move it around. But also, uh, another way also is to uh, feel the breath moving in the body. This is the air element mainly, but the fluidity in there can be the water element. So the fire element is uh, obviously uh, temperature, heat, cold, burning, freezing. Uh, so it's responsible for the aging process, the maturing, digesting, maintaining the body, warming the body, uh, the, the duration in time and the decay also. So feeling the heat usually is pretty easy. There's some patch of it somewhere, some, somewhere you can uh, touch it. To feel the coldness, sometimes to start uh, noticing it is maybe uh, at the nostril where the air comes in. Temperature uh, is a little lower in the air. Something to bring interest to when you go out in winter, when you uh, take a hot drink, uh, feel uh, the play of, uh, of this. So the Buddha was saying, this element any of these elements are characteristic. They're the same internally as externally. There's no difference between them. And he says also, you see uh, at one point the earth itself, uh, as great as it is, is going to be flooded by water the earth itself, as great as it is, is going to actually disappear. Even that big like this is impermanent. So what, what about the earth element in here? Extremely impermanent. It's not possible to consider this uh, as me, my, or mine or self. Actually, there's um, somebody who says this is public property. How could you ever claim hardness to be yours? How could you claim fluidity to be yours or heat? Tightness, hardness, roughness, all these. So inside of us, we, we have a direct experience of it. And with the outside world, we have a, an experience of it through contact. So when we touch, like I'm touching this lecturer right now, and I have access to the hardness, the earth element, and the coldness also, the heat element.
So in this way, we're not separate. You know, sometimes we talk about, hey, we're all one. You know, there's this, we're all one. It's a, a kind of a beautiful thought, really nice. But this, we're all one, has to be grounded in the deep seeing, uh, the wisdom, and the elements is one way to touch this. So we're not all, we're not the same because we like the same hockey team, team you know, or because we have the same uh, nation that we belong to, or the same religion. There's something much more deeper than this. We're, we're not separate because hardness is hardness. Heat is heat. It's the same experience of heat anybody has and, uh, and is shared. Yeah? So in this way, it's, there's no separation between me and you, nor is there a separation between you and nature. We often think or talk about the environment. But there is no such thing. It's, it's not the landscape outside. We are the landscape. We are nature. We are created by it, supported by it, and taken by it also. And so we can learn to experience, uh, experience it like this. This is a consciousness of fluidity or tightness. It's, it's nature, direct experience of it. So just a few words on where they come from. I think that's interesting. Where do they come from, these elements of earth, air, fire, water? So there's kind of four uh, places where they can uh, come from. They can come from other materiality, such as uh, nu nutrition. So the nutrition and, the f and fire are two of the ways that these are produced, these elements, in your experience. And two ways also that I find very interesting is they come from uh, uh, mentality more. So this experience of uh, how you experience display now of heat and, and cold and fluidity and cohesion and all these, there's a part of this experience is caused by uh, karma, karma, yeah. So uh, this is kind of the second noble truth, the clinging, there was a desire to have more experience, here you are, we have more experience. <laughs> so, so this, this uh, clinging to existence, that's one way to talk about it. Another way, another uh, aspect uh, uh, of the four elements that comes from the mind is consciousness. That's very interesting. So, for example, when there is anger in the mind, the consciousness is colored by anger, suddenly, these elements, which is the material uh, aspect of our experience, is colored by this. Is, uh, some of the elements are born out of the consciousness. So there's heat in the face, contraction in the chest. Yeah? There's pushing, pressure. Yeah? Similarly, uh, when the mind gets really quiet and concentrated, 
And some of the genetic factor comes, maybe a great enthusiasm or joy, pity comes. Suddenly, whoops, the experience of the body changes. Consciousness uh, creates new elements of lightness, tingling, expansion, spaciousness, whatever it, it, it is at that moment. We, so we can see that our mind, our mind really creates part of these, uh, of these elements and how they, they are. If there is fear, suddenly these elements uh, adjust to the consciousness. So again, why practice with the elements? Because it gets us closer to um, direct experience. Often when we have a body consciousness, it's very different. It's an outside image of ourselves. I'm too like this, too like that, or I look like this. Or, and this is a completely other, it's from the inside, the body, from knowing the body from the inside. So it, it does that. And then it helps refine uh, the attention. And surprise, the three characteristics again. So that's the whole point here, is to break or probe under concepts, concepts of me, concepts of uh, me walking, concepts of pain. Uh, all this, it breaks it in pieces, as uh, we've talked about uh, a lot, no? Also, one example that I liked is from uh, Gloria Tarania Ambrosia. So she talked about going to the dentist. And so she's sitting there and she uh, starts working while he, the dentist works on her teeth. She starts working on her meditation. And so she said, I see the mind breaking the concept of my surgery, the dentist, me, the chair, and breaking under, and then suddenly the pain, and breaking under the pain and the teeth to go towards the element. And even, she describes, breaking uh, under the concept of pleasant and unpleasant, even going underneath this to the very rawness of pushing, pulling. Uh, so that's one of the why we work with these, because it's known, and you have to see for yourself, that when you're at the pure level of elements, the pleasant, unpleasant, falls away. And so there's a, there's a breaking of the concepts. And so this loosens the idea of I, me, I don't want this. We, all this, these stories, fictitious stories, fall apart. Another reason also is, um, and this I saw in, uh, I watched this movie, you might have seen some of you, this, the Dharma Brothers. It's about uh, men in a prison in Alabama, and they're taught uh, uh, meditation. And some of them are very, uh, really get into it. 
very much. Uh, and there's one little piece that I remember, it's from a couple of years ago, but I remember it really inspired me in my practice. So there was this man, and this prison is high security and uh, very dangerous environment. There's murderers every, every day almost in this prison. Uh, very dangerous environment. So this man is saying, I really learned to pay really, really close attention to uh, my sensations uh, on the body. So every day I fear, I, I'm confronted with either one of these two very strong emotions, a very intense fear for my life, or very intense anger where I could actually hurt somebody else. And now because of this practice, I can stay really cool because I'm able to really tune in the sensations where usually I would react on the sensations. So there would be the fear, but what would make him react, to describe, is the actual intensity of the sensations. To not feel the sensation, he would strike out or move quickly in a way that he could put himself even more in danger. But now he says, I can actually completely feel the sensations related to fear or anger, really feel them, and keep my uh, mind cool so that I can still see what is going on and what is the next appropriate move for everyone involved. So there's a can really like uh, uh, make us avoid a lot of trouble. So the other, other thing that becomes really clear also is uh, a Nietzsche, the, the dynamic side of experience. Because when we watch these uh, elements, they come and pass really quickly. And the dense of them, uh, the fluidity, and uh, one example that is given is uh, um, this candle. So there's a candle, it's not burning. So it's cold, hard, and it's not moving. Then you put the flame there, and the wax suddenly goes from hard to soft. It goes from no movement to movement. It goes from cold to hot. And so you see uh, all these elements are changing together. And so that's the experience we have in the body. There's, it's moving all the time. And even if it, uh, when the attention gets really refined, we see that even if it seems uh, to not move, like the heat seems to stay, even for a few seconds the same, we can see that actually uh, they, these elements appear and disappear very quickly. Even if they're replaced by the same, something very similar, they're changed. So much so that when we walk and there's this impression of movement, it is said that there's actually no movement. The element appears and disappears right there. And so what you feel at the beginning of the pushing of the foot is a completely other arising than at the end of the um, movement of the foot before it's put down. So it's appearing and disappearing very quickly, these little pieces of hardness or lightness or whatever you can uh, figure out there.
And so also when we see how it plays with the outside world, all these elements, uh, for me, one way I sit is kind of a return to the matrix. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> like, because uh, we take, you know, there's this field of materiality that is there, but suddenly I decide that this is mine and this is not mine. You know, like here, see, there's this, this, this is mine, mine. And everything around is not mine. But there's a way that working with the elements, what happens to me is like it's kind of all given back to the matrix, to the, the field of materiality. It's clearly known, but not owned. What becomes apparent also is uh, the instability, uncontrollability of these elements that we cannot make uh, them, uh, you know, uh, have your feet become uh, really cold or warm right now. It just, just doesn't work like this. And when we see them change also, uh, the enjoyment of them, uh, what is uh, highlighted is the, 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 the danger in enjoying this. So maybe one little uh, excerpt here from the Path of Purification. So the monk who is devoted to the contemplation of the four elements immerses himself in voidness and eliminates the perception of living beings. Because he abolished the perception of living beings, he conquers fear and dread and conquers delight and aversion. He is not accelerated or depressed by agreeable or disagreeable things. And as one of great understanding, he either ends in the deathless realm or is bound to a happy destiny. So maybe I'll finish with, um, oh, here, beautiful, D.H. Lawrence. This is a, about uh, the, act, the, uh, the elements being nature, as I was talking today, that we're not separate from nature. Uh, so he says, uh, I am part of the sun as my eye is part of me, that I am part of the earth my feet know perfectly and my blood is part of the sea. There is nothing of me that is alone and absolute except my mind. And we shall find that the mind has no existence by itself. It is only the glitter of the sun on the surface of waters. And to finish, I'll just uh, talk about the elements in terms of a kind of a symbol. So, uh, 
at some point the Buddha gave this uh, advice to Rahula, his son. He said, let your meditation be uh, like the earth. The earth is, uh, is not disturbed or doesn't feel resentment when uh, ugly things or garbage are thrown on it. Uh, when people uh, pee on it, there's no, the earth doesn't react. Let your meditation be like this. And he says this about all the other uh, elements also. The water doesn't say anything when, uh, when uh, things is thrown in it. It doesn't. Nor does the fire. It just burns. So burn all, uh, all the ignorance with your meditation, with the fire of your meditation. And the wind blows equally on all things. So maybe one way to understand this is, can we uh, know everything that arises in our experience, get to know it? Like the wind that blows on dirty things and clean things. It's kind of a more symbolic way to work with the elements. So I invite you to uh, try to see how you can uh, explore this in the real time in your practice. This practice lends itself very well to daily activities. Eating lettuce, going, seeing how it goes from crack, crack hard to watery. Uh, you know, the weight of the spoon, the heat of the... Uh, as you eat, when you do uh, your yoga, amazing to feel all these elements and start to try to see how you can divide them, how you recognize pulling, pushing. Uh, what is your take on this? It can bring a, a lot of joy also in the practice, the joy of, uh, of recognizing, but mainly the joy of not uh, owning the best uh, part of this practice, I find. So let's take just a moment of uh, silence uh, here before we chant uh, a reflection on the sharing of blessings. <coughs> 